All right, here we are, the final segment of the day. And I think one of the most important segments, because this morning I said to, to uh, Chris Creston, the producer of the show, get the mayor on the horn. We need to talk to Mayor John Tory. He came through. Both of them did. John Tory's on the show, mayor of the city of Toronto. John, welcome to the program. It's been ages. Yeah, how are you doing, Kelly? It's been a busy time for everybody with the pandemic and whatnot. We haven't chatted for a while. No, we haven't. How's the, ha- the hair? Because apparently that's all that people are chatting it's about long. when it comes to you. Yeah, it's long, but uh, you know what? I mean, you get sort of used to it now, and I'm now I'm thinking, well, maybe I just won't bother to get a cut uh, when the time comes when that allow that's allowed. Uh, but we'll mm-hmm. see. You're going to look like heat miser. Yeah, <laughs> people say I look like a number of people, including the Queen, yeah, uh, Beethoven. It's a, qu- a wide range of very distinguished characters. So uh, we'll. Yeah. You're in good company. It's amusing to say the very least. Yeah. I know that you're doing it in solidarity uh, for the hair hair stylists in the city of Toronto, that until we get to that stage of reopening, that we um, you're not going to get your hair cut. And I I respect that. I think it's it's I've had my hair cut at the same place. It's moved a couple of times. But and and some of the people have even unfortunately passed on, but literally for like 50 years. uh, And so, you know, these are people that haven't worked now at all for months. And uh, I just can't imagine but uh, so, you know, I, I just hope people have said, why don't you get one of those clippers or get somebody, get my wife to cut it. And I just dog said, no, clippers you know, we'll like wait. the mayor or like the uh, premier rather. Pardon me. You get dog clippers like the premier. Yeah, exactly. But I'm not doing that because I want the professionals to do it. This is what they do for a living. And they've looked after me for so long. So I'm just loyal to them. Listen, I know you can't relate to not working because you're a workaholic. That is a well-known fact. Um, you worked tirelessly. Uh, when, you know, for for the Raptors as they were heading towards their goal. I mean, you were a great, uh, great addition to the team, you know, not an official addition, yeah. but cheering them on. I know we all, we all had great hopes that the Leafs would be going ahead to the Stanley Cup. Uh, that's not happening. I'm not t- trying to rub salt into a wound. But yesterday, the CN Tower was lit up in the colors of the Montreal Canadiens. Now, it's okay to cheer on the only Canadian team quietly. But this is Toronto's iconic CN Tower. Is this going too far? Like, how did this even happen? Who's in charge, John? Well, I, I think the answer is that they they had to do it. They were forced to do it. They did it. Uh, I would like to think under duress because uh, the CN Tower is owned through a federal corporation, and of course, uh, the federal corporation would support all Canadian teams. Uh, you know, if so, if it was Toronto that was in the Stanley Cup Finals and they had some building to light up in Montreal, they would do that. I presume. So that is what happened. Yeah, but they, uh, we're not even at the Stanley Cup finals. Like they're No, the... I know, but we're the only Canadian team left, or Montreal is, rather. Wow. And look, so I should have a true confession here, though. Sometime in the next couple of days, I'm going to have to go out into Nathan Phillips Square and raise the Montreal Canadiens flag, because now that was a bit different, because I made a bet with the mayor of Montreal, which, unfortunately, tragically, I lost. Uh, so I have to go and raise that flag, but it will be a it will be a very brief appearance. And I've thought about doing it at three o'clock in the morning, so that maybe it'll be difficult for people to get out to pro- provide any coverage. But uh, you know, look, uh, you know, it's one of those things where um, the CN Tower is the sort of iconic representation of Toronto, and you'd rather it never had any other team's colors except ours. But uh, I sort of, sort of, sort of understand their explanation that they are federally owned and they have to support all Canadian teams. So. Let's just hope that next year they can color it blue and white. And let's just hope that, um, you know, they understand this is the home city. So when there are other teams colors up there, they're there as briefly as possible, if that's their mandate. John, you know that I mean this with the utmost fondness. You are being extremely wimpy with this. 
Well, yeah, look, I, I, you know, I already said this morning that I, you know, what didn't please me and I suggested maybe some re-education on the part of the staff down there was warranted. But uh, having said that, you know, they're probably getting their orders from somewhere and uh, it's not uh, easy for them to resist those if they want to stay employed. So I'm not happy about anything to do with Montreal or especially Ottawa. The only thing that would make it worse than Montreal colors being displayed in Toronto on the San Terro was Ottawa's colors. Really? Oh, the Senators? I mean, they're pathetic. I mean, Montreal's at least been around the original six. And I know in Ottawa had a team way back in the 1920s or something, but I just think the Senators are pathetic. But, uh, you know, Ottawa, it's Montreal, you know, I'm not big on, but, uh, you know, they would be worse if it was Ottawa's colors, yes. Let's talk about the uh, letter that was sent to you yesterday <clears throat> by the yeah. uh, BIA in the Gay Village. They're asking you to remove a statue of Alexander Wood in Toronto's Gay Village. Earlier on, you know, we heard how, you know, they had thought he was a, a gay icon, uh, possibly uh, homosexual himself and not able to express that in his day. So a little bit of a hero in the gay village. Now we're finding out that he might have funded, helped fundraise for residential schools. Uh, is this the first time you're hearing about Alexander Wood's controversial past? Yes. Uh, you know, the whole thing came as a surprise to me, but um you know, so did some of the other things. Like, I didn't know anything about Mr. Dundas, who's the subject of a controversy as well, after whom Dundas Street is named and, and, and the town of Dundas. But um, it, what it shows, really, at the end of the day, is the complexity of this issue. You can't just have, like, a press release issued or a statement made saying that we've now found out somebody did X, Y, or Z in their past, and therefore we should, you know, dename things and so on. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do it ultimately, but there has to be a process. And we're getting a report to the city council uh, in July that will outline the framework of some kind of process we can use so that you can, you know, fairly uh, uh, deal with these things. Uh, and and decide, you know, how to deal with them, because you also can't just have a precedent that says, well, because there's a public fuss about something, therefore the government should immediately move to do what people want that, that are complaining, because then you could be flooded, you know, with these things, and some of them not even justified. So in this case, it's a bit easier, because the BIA, the very same one, um, you know, knowing other parts of the history of um, Mr. Wood, asked that the statue be put there and paid for it. And the city had to agree to that because it's on public land. So if the city withdraws its uh, permission to have it on public land, as as we could do, because the contract says we can, then they could remove the statute. So I think there's an easy resolution if that's what they want there. But on other ones, it's not that simple. So we have to have a proper process that allows for people to, you know, consider, I'll call it the evidence uh, carefully and not just have people going all over the city changing things. You know, you could get to a situation where based on people's opinions about somebody and what they once said or even what they said today, you could be making changes in these things. And we have to be careful that it doesn't get into a kind of a completely chaotic kind of situation. Let's get back to Alexander Wood. How quickly could you um, say, okay, the city gives you permission, take her down? Uh, well, the lawyers are looking at what the contract says, and I think we could probably give uh, permission, uh, you know, quite easily, and then it would be up to the BIA to decide if they wanted to uh, take the thing down. So a week? I think that I think two there's weeks? probably the, 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 a month? the kernel of a. Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm just asking. A week, two weeks, a month? Oh, I, you know, Kelly, I, I, I look. The lawyers have to look at the contract. I mean, I would think a week or two is not unreasonable for us to say you can take it down if you want because we're giving permission to have it removed from our property. I mean, it's a fairly straightforward mm-hmm. thing for us. We, we, we agreed to have it put there at their request. So if they now request to move it, I can't imagine it's going to take us long to say yes. Yeah, I was. Chris was talking about how Ryerson's statue basically stood there, what is essentially tar and feathered. 
yeah. uh, for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, the worry is, I guess, when you're talking about uh, public land, is if someone, because how hard is it to take down a statue? We know you need a chain and a, a pickup truck now. Yeah. Um, but it could be dangerous because you could end up hurting somebody that's standing yeah, I, by a bystander and then the city might be on the hook. Right. Is that yeah, something that's I'm concerning for a peaceful protest? But I think we can't get into a situation either where people are going all around the city with chains and pickup trucks or anything else you want to name and just taking things down or, you know, changing buildings around. I mean, so we have to have a process again that uh, is orderly and that takes account of, you know, what the facts are as best one can determine them. So, yeah, I mean, and that's a good reason because uh, I know you were pressing me a bit on time. It's a good reason to sort of have us act quickly and for the BIA to act quickly so it doesn't get to that. I mean, in the Ryerson case, this has been discussed for, I don't know, decades, uh, at least a decade. So, uh, you know, I point taken that we need to make sure that if something's going to be done and, and if it's their statue, then I guess they have the right subject to us just saying, yes, go ahead uh, to do what they want. They also paid for it. I think the city taxpayers made a contribution, but I think they paid for most of it. All right. Well, wrapping up uh, how we started, let's get back to it. Will the Toronto sign ever be lit up for the Montreal Canadiens? That like they get happen. to the Stanley Cup. That will not happen. We are a uh, we are a, a, a city of Toronto here. We represent the interests of the city of Toronto, as distinct from the CN Tower, which is federally owned. And the, the Toronto sign is under our domain. The Toronto sign will be lit in the colors of the Raptors, Toronto FC, the Argos, the Blue Jays, the Leafs. But it will not be lit up for other teams. Uh, a Canadian national team like the Olympic team, yes, but not a team uh, that competes with us. That's not on. All right, we have that on record. John Tory, thanks so much for uh, joining the show again. It's been a while. Thank I missed you. Really nice talking. Anytime.